still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in beautiful downtown Warren, Ohio, in the Sound United podcast studio. Uh, again, as always, I'm very honored to have a special guest. All my guests are special, some more special than others. <laughs> I'm here with a very special guest, Jimmy Masachi, and he's a artist here based in Warren, Ohio, from Warren, Ohio. He's done. He's had some big accomplishments, so I'm very thankful he decided to join me on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. We may have another person jump in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we have a mystery guest. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> well, again, thank you for joining me. Now, I don't want to confuse the Masachis with the Masuchis. There's Masuchis that run around this town. Uh, there are. Um, the joke in our family, the running joke, has been um, when people say, are you a Masuchi or a Masachi? I say, no, the Masuchis are the cops and we're the robbers. <laughs> and I, everyone always gets a chuckle out of it. It's a good one. It's probably true. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. All right, well, so let's pick up. You're born in Warren, Ohio, and uh, so let's just get started. Where where are you from? What school did you go to? Maybe the street? Tell me some stories about life growing up in the Masachi clan. Um, yeah, I was born on the west side of Warren, um, on Westwood, and I uh, had a typical, you know, middle-class upbringing. Um, I had, you know, the normal friends, the bikes, the skateboards. We did all the stuff. Um, sort of my, I think... Th- I had a normal life until about um, third grade, fourth grade. My dad left at that point, and then so it was just my mom and, and my sisters and I. So th- my upbringing was a little different because I was in a house with all females, so like we didn't, there weren't sports on all the time. So I didn't really, um, you know, I don't really know a lot about sports and stuff. So I think that's probably where my artistic stuff uh, started to stem from because I was always just being creative, trying to figure out, you know, what what I wanted to do. Um, I went to Emerson for my elementary school. Um, I did go to St. Pius for kindergarten in like first grade, I think. And then I was at Emerson from second to fifth. And then I went to St. Mary's from sixth through eighth. And then I went to reserve from for ninth and 10th and then Harding through 11th. After consolidation. Yes. How did, uh, how did the adjustment go from, you said St. Mary's? Yes. To reserve. Um, that was a much better transition for me. Because yeah. I was coming from the west side of Warren, and a lot of the kids that went to St. Mary's were more from the east side and had a little bit more going on. Yeah. So it was a little difficult mixing with that crowd, you know, for me personally. When I got to reserve, I definitely felt more at home and like, oh, okay, yeah, these are all my friends from, you know, football after school anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So you seem to you just fit in. And that, that can happen. I, I didn't go to a private school. My parents, when I was uh, little, uh, were going to send me to Warren Christian. They're like, we can't afford it, thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Who wants no. to wear those itchy outfits? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it was, was fine. All the kids who did go there, but I'm glad I did, went where I went. But uh, all right, so you ended up at Reserve. You would have graduated if Reserve was still there in '92. You went to Harding and graduated in '92 in Harding. Yes, I did. So those those were kind of the peak years of Harding, especially in football. Yeah, but we the, dominated in every sport pretty yeah. much after we combined. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so. What did you do after – well, tell me about, like, what was it like growing up in your neighborhood? You mean you played some backyard football or you skated or – Yeah, I was a skateboarder. Um, you know, we were always building ramps and, um, d- you know, doing all that stuff. Uh, you know, I come from the old neighborhood where if you if you said something out of line, you had to back it up. Right. Yeah, there was no keyboard tough guys growing up in my neighborhood. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, so I think that was a better way of growing up personally because it really taught you to mean what you say yeah. a lot more. You know, I, I think that part of the fabric of society is sort of fading off because there's so many laws to protect, you know, what what, what happens and, and how you interact with people on a, on a daily basis. I'm not trying to get too far off subject. Sure, but sure. You know, that's just sort of the reality of it. Um, I liked growing up like that. You know, it was always everybody was out right after dinner time all the way until dark. Um, y- you know, everybody loved those long summer nights here. It was an awesome place to grow up. I have a lot of really dear friends that uh, I met here who have certainly helped shape me into the person I am today and like where my career is going. That's all due to my friends and my upbringing for sure. I think that I think uh, that gets not enough um, stress, not stress like in a bad way, but a good way that 
when you grew up in the neighborhood like that, having those relationships and friends, like my my son wants that, but there's just nobody. The kids just don't come out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they, I'm seeing it more, a little more now. You know, I think the pandemic, everyone got on each other's nerves in their house, so they're like, get outside. But no, that I agree, man. When I was growing up on Southern Boulevard, the, the whole section of that city, that Southern Boulevard neighborhoods, and all the off streets, yeah. they're loaded with kids, man. And we'd Tons. all come out and play. Do right, go to my buddy's house. We'd hop on our bikes and go hit the bike trails along right. the Mahoning River. Or, Behind Kmart. <laughs> Burbank. Yeah. Yeah, Burbank, Burbank trails yeah. were proper. Yes. Well, think about it, though. Everything's marketed iPhone, iPad. It's sort of an introverted world. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I, th- I, would, I think the kids missed out, man. Maybe I'll, once I get some money, save, buy a backhoe and make some bike trails. There you <laughs> go. Tell kids, go, go ride your bike, man. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, you graduated from Harding. What did you do after Harding? Did you go to college? Where? How did you... How did you, uh, I guess the, the question is, how did you form your craft? What took you to where, what, what inspired you to head the road that you're on now? I mean, honestly, it was almost an accident in my art life. I have to, you know, tell it the way that it was. I, I mostly did art uh, sort of as a hobby just because I didn't really want to buy art from the store. Like there were messages that I wanted to see on my walls when I walked around my house. And so that was sort of the end, you know, result. But I developed my style of art based on the events that have happened in my life for sure because a lot of my art sort of drawn from the seedier underbellies of society they call it the punk rock scene yeah i mean that i mean i I, right after um high school i stayed here a couple more years i worked with my family doing some demolition and stuff and then i moved to las vegas and then you know life changes a lot when you're just a midwest boy who's real green to the world and then you go to a place like las vegas you'll learn quick how people can be. What took you to Las Vegas? Why'd you pick Las Vegas? Um, I, mostly because I had never seen that landscape. And when I went out there, I was just completely enamored with it. And so I was like, you know, I, I know I could always get a job there. And so I, I just chose that because it was mostly different landscape, different lifestyle. I thought it was really fascinating. You know, I'm in the middle of the desert, there's this huge city. Um, and I stayed there like seven years. And then I went on vacation to South Florida and while on vacation, I bought a bunch of properties and almost like bankrupted myself. But I bought every piece of property that I could afford while I was on vacation. And then I, um, a year later, I ended up moving there to sort of look after the property that I purchased. That's how I ended up in South Florida. So you obviously had to make some money to do that, to buy properties. Correct. So you, you honed your craft in Vegas then? Well, no. So I would say that my, my overall craft is just being an, an adventurer. I don't think necessarily there's a grand scheme of life or some great point. I think you can go through life and just choose things that interest you and have an amazing existence because of it. Um, I would say that I honed my overall craft of how I was going to move through society out there. Um, I started working at Sprint. I was a gaffer. What's and a gaffer? A gaffer is someone who climbs uh, telephone poles like with foot spikes at least in that world, in the electrician world. So I did that and I ended up getting a job at a law office and I was like a case manager. And then I opened a loan company that loaned money to people that got in car accidents. And I built that business up uh, over about four years and then I sold it. Help me fill in some blanks here. Okay. I know it's a long, (laughs) crazy story. The book is going to be even better, but. Are you writing a book? Uh, yeah, but it's not, it won't be out for a long time because I still have a lot to do. Yeah. But there's a good portion of it that's, that's down, you know. Well, let's, let's, I don't want you to give it all up here now. For sure. But, um, how do you go from a gaffer to a case manager at a law firm to opening up a loan business for car accident victims? Can you fill a little bit of the gaps in? Yeah. So the timeline was kind of, I started at Sprint. And then I met a lawyer at the gym and he seen that I had a sprint shirt on and he asked me if I could do some work, you know, at his house, put some phone jacks in and stuff. And I said, yeah. And while I was there working, he, um, you know, he just liked who I was and he said, Hey man, you know, I could, you're a pretty sharp guy. I could give you a better job. And I, I was only making $9 an hour at sprint. 
and he ended up starting me at like 1500 I think, a week. And I was like in the air conditioning. I was so thankful. I was like a dog that got rescued from a pound. <laughs> I was. And then while I was there, I just kept noticing that people, uh, you know, when someone gets in a car accident, it's kind of life-altering in that um, not just the injuries, but y- your course of life changes. You don't have a car. Subsequently, you usually lose your job because you don't have a car. And so, you know, people would always say, why don't you loan us money? Because you know we're going to get a settlement. And I started to put it together. And I ran an ad in the Las Vegas uh, newspaper. And I got an investor. And I built it up over like, you know, four years. Nice. It was was small. I mean, it wasn't a huge company. Um, I had a – I got the first license from um, the state of Nevada to do that. Like, it was a special license that I had to get to loan. Like, I couldn't loan on, like, you know, car notes and things like that. It was specific to that industry. That's a – you started a a business – it's almost kind of like you stumbled into it, but you still you still started 100%, it and yeah. went for it. Well, I think that when you're when you grow up on the west side of Warren, your eyes are always open. Yeah, you know the opportunities are always there if you want to see them, but you know they take work. It's not you know it's not easy. My life probably on the outside looks like whoa, it's really cool, but there's a lot of times that you know I've, I there's a lot of pressure on me. Oh yeah, and a lot of people don't know. You know, I would never bring it up, but yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, anything running a bit running a business. You're going to have that pressure that For people sure. aren't going to see. It's just part of doing that. Right. So uh, you, growing up where you did, that aided in you getting at least to that point in life. What were some of the things that you could t- you took from Warren to help you through that? A great question. Um, so my grandfather owned a small antique shop here. And so I used to always be like at the antique shop working with them and stuff. And I would see how he would you know, negotiate with people and how he would do business. Um, and that part was always fascinating that he was able to sustain himself like that, you know? So I didn't always deal like he did with antiques and stuff, but I was always doing something. I always had three or four things going on. And, you know, my mom, fortunately, wasn't able to buy me my first car. She wasn't able to do any of those things for me. And I wanted to have nice stuff. So, it was like, okay. I mean, I started at Warren Fabricating probably at – I mean, you guys used to come there and visit me on, on my lunch break on midnight turn. I think I started at Warren Fabricating when I was like 17, 16 and a half, something like that. I just got my license, and I would sweep up the floors over there. But they paid me like 12 bucks an hour, and my friends were bagging groceries for five. I had a nice ride. That is a nice ride. Yeah. <laughs> how'd you get? How'd you end up with the Warfab job? Uh, I just went and applied. I was in the machining program at Harding. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went and just said, hey, you know, I'm in the machine shop program. And they said, yeah, that's great. The broom's over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for you, buddy. Didn't even answer. Just point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had a question. It just slipped my mind. Uh, I don't remember. It'll hit me when I'm not thinking about it. That's how it is. Yeah. We're getting old, bro. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you think that – here's what I wanted to ask. Do you – at least for me, I think part of the reason I have the attitude I have, and I know my focus has been on the west side of Warren, and I'm more, I, I do that because that's where I grew up, but now I'm more all of Warren. I don't, this east-west thing's got to die, because it, it is dead, we just keep beating the dead horse. And I don't, I'm not, when, since I grew up here, that's where 10 my focus is. And as a side note, my focus is also there because I want to see some development on a larger scale on the West side, cause it needs it. There is, sure. you know, we don't have a Howland and that, that marketability of Howland and it's second in the economy there with the mall out there and everything in Niles on the West side doesn't have that. So there needs to be a focus by a lot of people um, within the city government and in general, but that's a whole nother subject. But I, I think part of who I am is because where I grew up and I, I always felt like, Growing up in Warren on the west side, but I think Eastsiders could say the same thing too to a degree. It, it was literally us against everybody. Everyone, everyone, all the schools in the area, even residents just looked at us differently. And it was like we felt like we had to fight for against everybody about everything on every occasion. And sometimes that turned into literal fights, but that, that spirit, that fighting spirit, I think definitely is ingrained in me. Oh yeah, for and sure. I don't. You know, do you, did you do you have? Do you feel like that that was kind of what kept you going? Like I've fought this far, I might as well just keep going. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, this this place produces fighters for sure. You know, 
I mean, no matter where you live, whether it's Vegas or Florida or Warren, Ohio, any place gets small. You know, you got right. your 10 friends, you got your, you know, it, it doesn't matter how big the city is. Everything ends up being small. So what I'm really trying to say is that you're really just left with yourself, you sure. know? And so I fortunately turned turned a corner years ago where I was like, you know, I really need to embrace like all that I've really learned because I went out in the world and collected a lot of pollen, so to speak. And, and I've brought it back here to the best of my ability. You know, I'm not a city politician or whatever, but I try to do what I can do. Um and I think that every every milestone that I've made has definitely stemmed from w- what happened in Warren, good or bad. Right. A hundred percent. I wouldn't want to change who I am. I wouldn't want to change where I grew up. Me either. I've had, I'll be honest. It's almost like I should see a counselor about it because <laughs> it's so heavily ingrained in, in me that it's, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, when I, when I moved, you know, and I want to hear your input too. If, if our special guest wants to chime in, he's more than welcome to. But um, it, we were programmed. I don't know about you guys, but it, but it was taught to us. And and I know it wasn't just me, but some of my friends. You you have to – well, first of all, you have to get a college education, which I don't agree with that now. But there, there's – yes, you some people need it. You know, you want to be a doctor, you got to go to college. You know, you want sure. that speciality. But I think our college numbers are way too high, which is a whole other subject. I really wasn't cut out for college. I went. I went to DeVry twice. I have two degrees. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, if I can do it, you can do it, any kid who wants to do it. Because that's what I was told I had to do to be successful, whatever that meant. And I was also told you have to leave Warren, Ohio. And part of that's true because that's how you grow as a person. You know, if you stay in that same house in that same neighborhood till you're 60 years old, that can be good or bad. But – what have you spread your wings to go learn about other people and other things and other environments? And so I went to Columbus and went to DeVry, but my upbringing and upbringing in Warren aided significantly in me being able to navigate Columbus, Ohio. And so I don't know, I want your story and input on, you know, did that help you navigate life from your upbringing here to when you went to Vegas and had to get in these different environments. Yeah. I, I mean, I think um, that definitely the things that happened to me here helped me navigate Las Vegas, even though it was a bigger city and probably like way more shady and, you know, just in different ways. Right. Um, you, I mean, you know, my eyes were wide open growing up and I, I took a lot of information in. And all that information was a roadmap of how to survive in Las Vegas or L.A. or Miami or wherever you can. You could blindfold me and drop me off. I'll be come back in a couple of years. I'll be (laughs) be close to the top. Yeah, Yeah. I'll be doing something good. Yeah, I was watching. uh, Speaking of closer to the top, was it a show that was on? The comments, what's important? I just remember I heard it from either rise to the top or sink to the bottom. Everyone else is just churning. And that's, Boy, that's the truth there. And that, that stuck with me. That's I heard it a couple of days ago, and I don't I don't remember where I heard it, but it's it's a it's a true life statement. And we have so many people churning in the middle, but they're blaming others while they're churning because they're not trying to rise to the top. Cream always rises to the top, always. But sometimes, yeah. you know, going back to growing up in Warren, Ohio, I don't care where, you're gonna you're gonna have to fight the whole Mahoning Valley. You know, why did we have so many boxers be? belt wearers yeah because you know we're a bunch of white collar fluffs <laughs> no. right right we fought for everything literally yeah there's a lot of good football players you come oh, from this area too i mean little Warren, ohio has produced some phenomenal uh, accomplished people from business to sports you know when people think of Warren, they think of the the sports but academically Warren, ohio has produced some high academic students and which le- le- leads to other things and some very successful business people. So uh, there's no, we're not just a our, – our school wasn't just a sports school. And, it's, and Harding still isn't. Uh, they've got room to grow, which is a whole other subject. Sure. But there's opportunity. And this little itty-bitty dot on the map is I had um, Phil Kidd, founder of Defend Youngstown, on. And he the way he put it was – it, the Mahoning Valleys, it's like its own little ecosystem. And that's a really good way to look at it. We're our own ecosystem. We have our own personality, our own culture, the whole nine yards. You're not going to get anywhere else in the country. Sure. And I, a lot of it has to do with location. You'll be Pittsburgh and Cleveland, New York and, and Chicago. And we're between all of that. And so we're kind of our own little 
bubble. And as a side note, I think some in Mahoning Valley, and I, I and maybe the I'd have to. I've never done a survey from people from Cleveland, but I'm sure they see us as a little punk brother. You know what I mean? And but subconsciously, I'm sure that has played a role into the Mahoning Valley in Warren, Ohio. Just like sure. let's go. You want to fight? Let's fight. Yeah. So you got to do you. Hopefully, take that attitude. Not be stuck. That's what I want people to hear. That you know, kids, young adults, you're not stuck, man. Go, go pick a fight. Not literally, but you know, take on life. Go after it. Yeah, and I don't. Um, I mean, as a controversial artist today, that stems from me um, being sort of counterculture. I don't really buy into societal pressure. Right. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and 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 I'm just, it's just an observation. It's not a, a, an opinion necessarily either way. But most people, when they leave high school, they really have four focuses: they have college, they have career, they have spouse, and then they have family. I didn't go to college. I don't have a spouse. I'm, I don't have a family. So I was able to focus on human movement all those years, different personalities, why people are this or that, and and I think that. Um, you know, taking the the base that I had from where I grew up in Warren and that sort of, hey, you got to mean what you say type mentality. And then, you know, expanding on that into, well, I'm just going to be sort of a student of life. I think that's really the, you know, that's really my payoff, you know, whether it's financially rich or not, whatever. But my real payoff is to meet so many different people in so many different cultures. Like, I mean, this isn't a knock against Warren because you just don't know until you leave. But when I left and went to Las Vegas, I think I was gone for like two years before I came back. And when I came back, I couldn't believe like how small right. the community is and yeah. like how is really everything around me, like a mile around me, influenced me so much. You know, then I, I started to travel more. I went to Colombia a couple times. Um, I'm pretty fluent in Spanish. I love to travel personally. I think it, it makes me a lot more patient. It makes me a lot more understanding. You know, it makes me appreciate where I grew up. I mean, a lot of things. You, you know? travel, you realize that regardless of where you are, people are the same way everywhere you go. Everywhere. They all want the same goal. They right. want a just nice, peaceful existence. I mean, some people have huge aspirations. <laughs> Overachiever. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I, I think – Mostly that people really do, you know, want the same things out of life. And, and right now we're in a, such a hyper div- divisive environment that we we are looking at those divisions. And personally, I just think they're they're manufactured. We're, we should be focusing on that. We really all want basically the same thing. And now I'm not. This is not a political podcast. So I'm not going into that. But you always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for division, you're going to find it. Even if unity's sitting right on your left shoulder. It's that simple, but people don't want to admit that. And the other thing is, you know, it's easier. It's it's really a lot easier to change yourself than it is to try to change an entire community. You would think, but I don't know if I agree with that. No, let's hear it. Well, I mean, I think Hitler was probably the best example. I mean, he couldn't control himself, but he controlled millions of people. Well, he controlled them, but they didn't change. What's the old saying of? Force. I can't remember. It, it finishes with they're of the same. You're of the same opinion still. Force someone against their will. They're of the same opinion still. So their opinion may have changed. Their opinion didn't change. They just operated out of fear. That didn't change who they were intrinsically. Okay. And, well, then, yeah. Understanding yeah. it that way, yeah. then you're absolutely correct. We have too many people who want everyone else to change versus they're not willing to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know what? I could do better here or there. I could be more understanding, but I don't want to get into that because we're here to talk about you and Warren, Ohio. And no, that's Warren a big area. part of me though, is learning all those lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming self, um, taking accountability was probably the best thing that I've ever really hit head on in my life. It changed my whole life. Uh, that I figured some of these things out late in life. Yeah. But, but better, better late than never, you know, for I mean, sure. Yeah. I've kind of had I kind of had a little bit of an awakening uh, about five years ago. Things uh, started clicking more. I was introduced to a, a mentor, uh, well, not a personal mentor, but a book. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Grant Cardone, and I read his book uh, called Ten X, mm-hmm. and that just I was like, oh, now things are making sense. 
then I started reading other books, and then you just start piling on, piling on, piling on. And and you know the interesting thing is you, I'm different from where I was five years ago, but now here I am at five years later, and you just see a whole new level where you need to be. Sure. And that never ends. <laughs> you just got to do it over and over and over again. Repetition. You so you know you're in the middle of it, man. Just keep going, keep yeah. going. So you ended up in Miami. Uh, well, do- I ended up getting sort of my first real gallery discovery in Miami. So let's pause the conversation real quick because okay. I didn't. We didn't even get into what you do and what where you're at now. <laughs> we'll get there. It's like the hardest question. But so I'll just um, stereotype or just kind of paraphrase or whatever the case may be that you're an artist. I am an artist. I'm there also an entrepreneur. Right. I'm an investor. I'm a philanthropist. Yeah, philanthropist. Say that five Sorry. times real fast. I couldn't even say it one time slow. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. Anyways, Get some more water, bro. Yeah. Anyways, I like to help people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I mean, I, I work hard. I like to, you know, I like to help if I can help. I like to introduce people to business. I like to be a connector, you know. Yeah. You know, this person needs, okay, hey, maybe these guys can do business together. I think paying it forward as corny and cliche as it is, is really what I do best. I'm always throwing it ahead of my life. You have to. Yeah, it'll it'll come back to you. It's like yeah. a boomerang. Yeah. You get what you give. It is. And that's how it is. Yeah. So you're an artist and you ended up, you had bought some property. So I wanted to frame, you mm-hmm. ended up in Miami and had a gallery. So we didn't really talk about what you do and that's we'll get more into but you had a gallery down in miami you bought some properties down there talk about that no i didn't have a gallery there i was i was in my first gallery oh in, in your miami. first yeah okay yeah. so talk about that talk about that time down there yeah so um i started buying property and um i seen that, that was right around the end of 2003 middle of 2003 and then i actually moved there in the middle of 2004 and all the properties that i bought just started like skyrocket it was crazy what happened so I invested in property for like the next probably five, six years. And then um, as things started to decline, I got into the um, MMA, like boxing promotion business, which was a huge How mistake. How do you stumble into that? Okay. No, it was a massive. Listen, I can, I, can, I can tell you exactly how not to do the boxing business okay. if anyone wants to know. Um, but I took a shot. I mean, I was kind of grabbing at straws because I did really well with the property. Um, which is to say that I, I really had made a, a million dollars when I was 28 and I went completely broke when I was 34. It and happens. Yeah, it happens. And it was it was a series of bad business decisions and being growing up kind of poor and not really having that kind of money. I wanted to see what it felt like to just to just buy whatever I wanted. So there was some personal responsibility there too, for sure. And so how did it feel? Awesome. And then what? And then um, I sort of had to just rebuild who I was. So I was a licensed realtor. I got back into real estate, but not with my own money. I was, you know, selling real estate for other people. And I love to negotiate business. So for me, that part was amazing. I got to negotiate every day. I was like, oh, it's a dream job. But I hated like wearing my hair normal and wearing a polo shirt. Like I felt like it was all I could do to put it on. And I was making really good money, but I didn't even care because I, I was really unhappy. And... um a guy came to my home and he saw the art on my walls on a Sunday night and he said, did you do these? And I said, yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, I had a contract from a gallery in Miami and changed my whole life. Wow. I mean, it literally, it's amazing. not immediately. Right. It, it, I got in the gallery. I didn't, I only sold one painting at that gallery. Um, so I was like, well, I guess, you know, I, society's not really feeling my artwork. And I was like, <laughs> you know, tail between my legs. And then uh, your I, artwork remind me being in New York, not Miami. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely more or New York, not New York now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then I just sort of just started to develop on that. I'd reach out to some galleries, and then I got into a couple more galleries, and I sold art periodically, which is to say, I sold a couple pieces every six months. You know, decent money, a couple grand, whatever. But as I as I kept moving ahead and fighting. I got to um, meet Run the Jewels, this rap group, and they both, both the people um, own my artwork of mine, and I got to give it to them in South Beach when they were on tour with Lord. Nice. And then that sort of, that energy and everything that happened at that moment propelled my career into like what it is now, really. I mean, it started to catch, and then like 
a couple of more um, rap artists started buying my artwork. And then um, Teresa from Jersey Housewives bought a piece of mine that I had to subsequently sue her to get it back. Um, you know, celebrities <laughs> yeah, don't Hold on, hold on. <laughs> you can't just drop that little nutshell and not <laughs> tell me what happened. I mean, that's sort of it in a nutshell. I mean, I, you know, I Wait. sent her the painting. She wanted the painting. Um, and... I tried to work with her. You know, she's like, I'm, I'm Teresa. You know, do you really want paid for this? And I'm like, yeah. I sent her a one-liner and said, I've never seen your show. Like, I didn't, you know, like, this is a business deal. <laughs> yeah. So I had sent it to her agent, and I, you know, I didn't hear anything for about a month. And we were directly, you know, we were on Instagram, you know, back and forth. And she had messaged me directly and, you know, do you really want me to pay? And I'm like, hey, yes, absolutely. And, you know, you're not living up to what you guys agreed to. So I did. I had to, you know, I asked her for it back a couple times, and then I did have to get a lawyer. And That's I, crazy. He sent her a demand letter, and I had the painting back in like, you know, ten days, no problem. <laughs> so she did send it back. I mean, but she is a gangster, though. She like <laughs> how, yeah, how she's how she's portrayed on TV is for real. I mean, I respect her. She tried it, but it, you know, yeah. I'm from the West Side. You don't right? <laughs> Act natural. <laughs> she did. Yeah, right. <laughs> She didn't know what she was messing with. No, no, she didn't know. She thought you probably some hillbilly. Yeah, you know where are you from? So who knows? But um, so I sold some, you know, to to um, her, and then I made a painting for Michael Blanco, who is Griselda Blanco's son. I don't know for the older people out there. She was a a Miamian from the eighties who um, was Pablo Escobar's pretty much right hand person. I knew it sounded familiar. I couldn't think who it was. Yeah. Um, So. I was down there in, um, in Miami at uh, Noriega's podcast, The Drink Champs, and he was there, and I gave him the painting, and he like, like he, he got real emotional. He gave me the shirt off his back, actually, that night. Literally? And, yeah, he literally wow. took his T-shirt off. It had a picture of his mom on it, and I made him a big picture of, of uh, him and his mom when oh, he went nice. to visit her in jail. I took it off his Instagram and made him a painting, but... um. Yeah, and he ended up becoming a good friend of mine. Like I talked to him a lot. Um, my one of my paint the painting that I made for him hangs in the um, the background on his show Cartel Crew on VH1. So I have to like sign off every year that I'm not going to sue him for using it. It's pretty <laughs> cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch any of those shows, so I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have cable. We use uh, like I have a Roku. Yeah, Fire Stick, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I don't know those shows. Yeah, so he, he's helped me a lot. Um, he's helped propel my career, certainly. He's given me a lot of exposure. So you're not a starving artist, as the old saying goes. Fortunately, <laughs> I am not. And I am so thankful and blessed every day that I wake up that I'm not. Yeah, my art life is really good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's nice to have something that people really are, are feeling. You know, it's like so flattering that somebody wants to hang it. But when they ha- pull their hard-earned money out and buy it, it's like, I don't take that lightly. Right. At all. Because art is, um, that's a, I assume that's a big emotional buy as much as it is a style buy or when someone's buying, what do you think motivates someone to buy some of your work? It's can, not, you're not, you're not doing, um, not hopefully as I come across as condescending or insulting, but you're not doing like great Picasso's type background of this beautiful mountainside or whatever. It's very, it's more, it's definitely edgy. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you tell someone you're an artist, they think that you can paint a pear and some grapes and some cheese on a cutting board, (laughs) (laughs) you know, beyond better homes and gardens. Yeah, exactly. This isn't Land's End. (laughs) This is Masachi, man. So. Sounds like a clothing line. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. I'm working on something. (laughs) I am. Believe that. But, um, Yeah. Where, where were we at? I know we were chasing a rabbit there. I don't know. We were talking about Miami. Oh, yeah, with Michael. And so he um, he got me in contact with a guy, and uh, I was able to to make a portrait for the for the rap artist Burner, and he's also the largest um, uh, medical marijuana dis- or recreational, I guess, at this point, uh, yeah. dispensary chain. It's called Cookies, and he's one of the owners. So that was a, a pretty big highlight moment to be able to – you know, give that to him. I also met Too Short that night. Really? Which is pretty cool. Is he yeah. as short as his name? No, he was taller than me. I mean, yeah, I guess right. that's not saying much about me. <laughs> you're not that tall. I mean, you're not a tall dude. So. No, I mean, I'm not Matumbo, but right. I mean, I'm not, you know, right. collecting money next to a bridge either. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm like five, nine and a half. Maybe. You're not at a... You're not at a sideshow of a circus. No. no. No, I'm just saying, I thought Too Short was, I don't, I, you know, I know who he is, but yeah. I, I figure based on the name. No, he had a couple of short dudes. Yeah, okay. yeah. 
Oh, you're funny, dude. All right. So after Miami, I but I, let me back up a step. Just a little recap. You, you go. You grew up in Warren, Ohio, to the point where you were selling your art, your craft to major uh, entertainers. Yeah, absolutely. And reality I, TV people. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's huge, man. I don't really think of it like that. It's just an everyday. Like I'm just thankful to that's be here doing do. my thing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever I, it takes. And I want, but I want that message out there. Because I'm sure there's a kid contemplating something at this point. You know, what am I going to do? You know, and here's this kid who grew up in Warren, Ohio. I don't care where you grew up, what side of town. And here, and here you are now selling, like I said, art to, you know, major entertainers. That's a big deal to me. I mean, and so that's that's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Um, I, I Well, if there are young people that do hear this and, 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 and do want some encouragement or you want a big piece to the puzzle, here it is. Who cares what anyone else thinks? If you think that you should do something and your internal compass is telling you that you should go that way or or have that hobby or play that instrument, I don't really think it's up for debate. Um, I don't think that you need to feel comfortable to do that just if if anyone else feels comfortable. Because probably like the best artists, poets, um, sports, you know, athletes, the best ones may have never even been discovered because they told the people around them what they wanted to do. And those people... You know, maybe they weren't secure in their own situation, so they just said, no, you'll never make it. You, you Look where you're at. How are you going to make it? How You know, you don't have to worry about the how. You only need to worry about the why. Because if you can figure out the why, the universe will deliver the how. And the why is the big question. That's my favorite word. Ask why. Ask why. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing what you do? Yeah. If you can't figure that out, then, you, content, you know, figure it out. Sure. What else are you going to say? Let's talk, uh, let's talk a little business. So, um, because where... Uh, where I'm seeing this podcast going is uh, m- the mission statement is dedicated to the economic growth and development of Warren, Ohio. That can mean a bunch of things. Sure. But w- I want positivity coming from this. Uh, but I also want to give some sharing stories like you that you've made some success of yourself doing your craft, but also business talking business, how to change the economic conditions in Warren, Ohio. And I keep the politics out of it because that just sure. muddles things. I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying sure. I, I keep the politics out of it. It's going to intertwine a little bit. But Warren, Ohio is a great place to start a business for lots of reasons. So I want to brainstorm with you. I want to hear some of your ideas, what you would like to see happen in Warren, what you think needs to be in Warren, and let's we'll carry on from there. <laughs> I hit, Hold I hit on. you at the big one, bro. I'm going to have my mystery guest go down and get my soapbox real quick. <laughs> Stand on it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I mean, I yeah, believe- I'll get on a soapbox in a minute. <laughs> Everyone knows me, and I'll tell them, listen, you put that soapbox in front of me, so hang on. I think Warren's uh, generally going in the right direction. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen it in snapshot format for the last- 22 years, I leave, come back, leave, come back, you know, and you see different changes. I seen when it was going down, when I would have been a plywood salesman. And then I seen when it was coming back up and all the plywood was coming off. You know what I mean? It's like, I actually seen that happen in snapshot format. So I feel that that based on where the city is now, and I'm putting a little of my own money uh, where my mouth is, so to speak, I bought some buildings uh, downtown Warren um, uh, across from like almost sunrise, like catty corner from sunrise. And I think that that in my travels, I get to go through a lot of these small towns. And really, I think the, there's a couple key things that, that I would like to see happen. And I don't think that you can change people's minds about what those things are until they've gone out and traveled right. and seen what other cities are really, really doing. Um, I can say this. Uh, the city has been super cool about me introducing murals. Um, back into the situation. And uh, I'm not saying that they're approving anything or, or you know, over speaking, but they've been really um, quick to hear my ideas and, and, and ask me some things. And I would love to be a weapon for the city, trust me, because I travel a lot and I go through a lot of these towns. And there is a certain format that these towns are doing that, that fits. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have the trees everywhere. You have to have, it has to be clean and you have to feel safe. I mean, there has to be certain things in place that, that, you know, um, th- that need to be there, I guess, in order for the city to grow is, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's easier to see when you've been there 
and when you have it, it's you're kind of shooting in the dark a little bit. And, you know, I think some of the zoning around here could be changed a little bit, in my opinion, just after seeing what I've seen in other places. There's some certain things that I feel that we should do along the river that we don't do. I mean, we have an amazing river that runs right through our right city. Downtown. And we really only have um, Sharbinas, thank God. I mean, at least she's there trying to do something. That place is amazing. Yeah, it's bomb. So, you know, I I feel like there needs to be more water or like not necessarily that we're known for like our river, but why can't we be? We should be. We should leverage it. Yeah, it's a huge commodity that we're not using at all. I think there's definitely a push to for some riverfront development. Sure. Um, I know Trumbull Neighborhood Partnerships is developing plans to do it. But it, what we run into is having people – I'll tell you some of my issues and I'll get on my soapbox a little bit. But uh, having anyone, company, individuals who are willing to, to invest the money into doing it. Um, yeah, that's a big – you know, that's – I think here, here – in my opinion, here are a couple things that Warren could easily do that would – turn things around quickly. Code enforcement. I drive down Southern Boulevard. I'm living there now and uh, living with my parents. Sold our home. We're living with my parents right now until we get another home. <laughs> Who knows? Mom, meatloaf now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, trust me, it's not a big house. <laughs> Three bedrooms, <laughs> one bath, 850-ish square feet. Oh, yeah. There's seven of us. Oh, yeah. That's all good, though. My, my parents are they're good. I have a good relationship with them. But... Um, we have landlords who rent homes and they look like garbage. And the city does nothing about it. That irritates me to no end. It's a simple fix. We let people come to Warren, Ohio and be slumlords. We let them do it. You get, you get treated the way you let people treat you. I know people don't want to hear that. That's a fact. You don't want to be treated like garbage. What? Cut those people out of your life. If you're getting disrespected by a group or a crew or whatever, you cut them out and you move on. You find people are going to treat you better. You get treated the way you let people treat you. And we let businesses, not all, landlords specifically, treat us like slum, like we're a dump. Gas stations. Get me started on gas stations. Look at some of these gas. There. So I've uh, I traveled before the pandemic. I, I work with teachers. And one of the school districts I work in is uh, Cleveland Metro. So I'll go up to Cleveland and I go into the worst neighborhoods in Cleveland in these buildings. And I know a bodega style gas station when I'm in one. There's no excuse for that in Warren, Ohio. None. And they are dumps. And the city needs to enforce code to get them and find them until they either fix it or they shut the business down and someone else buys it. Because what ends up happening is the people who care leave. Why would I open up a business next to a dump knowing the city's doing nothing about it? So you got me on my soapbox, bro, and I'll go for hours. That's a simple fix. City needs to enforce it. Uh, the other thing that is uh, that the city can do is they, they need an economic development plan. And I, and I get on Facebook and I yelp about that pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Simple statement. They don't plan anything. Nothing. Zip, zero, zilch. Number two, they don't have people in place who can do it. They got to do that. These are two simple things that the city can do today, and you'll see things start to shift in a, a much quicker direction. You already have Trumbull Neighborhood Partnerships, thank you, to them for all the homes that got torn down over the past 10 years. That was them, not the city of Warren, which leads to neighborhood stabilization, which leads to people buying a lot, keeping it clean. They fix up their house. They do these things. It takes time. But these other things, these two simple things that Warren could do. They're not doing it. I don't know why. I don't know why. So I could go on. And I don't want to be. This isn't about being negative. This is also addressing, you know, since we're on that on the subject of, of these how what well, no, Warren it all can it do. all ties together. Yeah. Because I'm spending my money here. I would like to see Warren certainly turn for the best. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're due. But like any city who's been blessed with something um, that they didn't necessarily. I mean, we 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 have steel. We yeah. were born with steel. Yeah, we didn't need to re reinvent ourselves, right. and reinventing yourself as a person's hard enough, let alone a city. So right. they have some challenges. I mean, I would certainly like to see a, a paid position 
of someone who, you know, literally just went around the country and tried to find maybe out west businesses who do do business on the east coast and this is sort of a mid midwest point right. for shipping because we have a lot of big buildings like real big buildings here that can be utilized for sure but i mean who's out selling our city you know no one no and so you know i mean there's certainly podcast. challenges yeah this podcast <laughs> so there's certainly challenges i mean i i always try to do my part you know in that regard right. if i know somebody that I always say, hey, there's cheap real estate here. Like, you should really check it out, you know? You know, um, there was a U-Haul tracks moving statistics based on one-way moves. So, you know, they rent their trucks and people move to a certain place. And it's all, you know, the one-way moves. And they determine where people are relocating to in the country. Guess which, guess where Ohio fell for people moving to, not leaving, but moving to? Where? Fourth. You have Texas number one, Tennessee number two, Florida number three, and then Ohio. There's a big shift going on in the country right now. Big shift. People are leaving California and in New York like like the zombie apocalypse happened there. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, my wife's from San Diego, and she said we were talking about this, and she she brought that to my attention. The, the, for the first time in thirty plus years, I think she said, um, I don't remember what the time frame, but I think that was it. California lost population. Because they would have, yeah, you'd have people leaving, but people were still moving there. That's not the case. Same with New York. They're bleeding people. Where are they coming? They're coming here. They're coming. Yeah, here. you can tell that in the price of acreage. Three years ago, the price of acreage was so affordable, and now it's really not. No, not for our area. Not, you know, it's still affordable compared to other states. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, around here, people, are, you know, I think you're priced out. If you want 30, 40 acres, it's going to cost. Uh, what did I see recently? It's probably going to be about half a million, maybe a little more. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I usually figure ten to fifteen thousand an acre. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, and but that's relatively inexpensive on a oh, national on, scale. One hundred percent. So this is a good place to you know you want some acreage, you want to start a business. This sure. this is a good place, and you know the cool thing about growing up here, and I think it's Mahoning Valley in general, is I'm fifteen minutes to just about everything that right. I need. Like obviously, if I want to go to a pro sports game, I got to go to Cleveland. But if you live on a West Side, you're there in fifty minutes. Yeah, right on four twenty two. You know, which leads to West Side development. Why would you not try to develop that side of town and try to attract people from the east side of suburbs yeah. that are expensive? You know what I mean? It is bizarre to think that, like, the old Kmart Plaza on Parkman Road, like, they really just use that for, like, weekend-type venues. Let me tell you what happened there. And then we get off my soapbox. <laughs> well, I grew up over there, so, you know, we used to ride our bikes over there, and, you know, we'd get the popcorn. The oh, whole yeah. Deal, you know. They had their little uh, restaurant in there. You oh, get yeah, your food of course. Whatever. Yeah. We used to play hide-and-seek in there. That and... uh you remember Murphy's Martin names up there on 422? Yeah, we'd get chased out of there. But anyway, so uh, Rural King owns that property. This is what I'm talking about, code enforcement. Rural King owns it. They're going to do nothing to that property. It's a tax write-off. They're not going to develop it. It's just going to sit there and rot. They're not trying to rent it. I know they got a sign sitting out there. They're not being active in trying to rent that place. No, out. the whole place is. It's not quite all empty. There's there's probably three or four businesses in that plaza, but there's no reason they shouldn't go in there. I, I shouldn't say no reason, but I think it would be a, a good move for them to put a Royal King in there. Southington's right out there. Champions on that side of town, Southington, and you have all the farming community west of Warren. That would come there. And the people in the neighborhood, you know, ask Hawkeye Barbecue how much support they got coming out of the gate on the west side. Yeah. Now, granted, they pull much larger than that now, but they come out. Um, who also has opened up? Um, there's this new tavern um, on Park Monroe. I can't remember the name of it. Tavern 24, Park Park Tavern 25. I can't remember the name of it on Park Monroe. Um, going way back, do you remember the old putt-putt that used to be there? Oh, yeah. Bat and putt. Yeah, they're, they're someone that's long gone, but someone, I, they put a tavern in you there. You know where um, That went in, oh, oh, the sub shop right in front of the plaza there. There's a new sub shop. Sub city. Sub city, yeah. Special guest, thank you. And uh, uh, Blue Jean Farms got bought. The, the the husband and wife that ran it, the husband unfortunately died. He had a stroke for, and he, for years he was just doing what he could to keep it going and the wife hung on for a little bit and then she sold it. Someone else is doing something with it now. So locals are doing something. Sure. Can you imagine if they actually developed that plaza? It'd be boom. It'd be yeah. a huge boom. Yeah. it's the Well, and, and you also have that. See, it's the chicken or the egg. You don't have enough rooftops for us to bring it. Or you don't have enough 
amenities for us to live there. Right. Something has to come first, the population or the stores. I think the population's there. I mean, it's not, I mean, I, I, I have a whole conspiracy theory about a lot of things. Why, you know, some of it I think is just, I'm a numbers guy, all right? And I look at numbers. And so why, why are businesses locating all outside of Warren, except for those ones that are, these are local people. Why is there development outside of the city limits and not in the city limits? Like, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Walmart. Walmart left where Menards is now, and they moved out farther. So, why did they do that? Well, they needed more room. Cool. So, then more property, more businesses developed around there. So, Starbucks went out there, Chipotle, blah, 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 blah. Why isn't that being done in the city? There's room for it. They could have done it. I mean, honestly, I, I'm... If you're asking, I, I think it's probably just demographic research. They just look and see, is there a population enough for it? Are they our age? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do they Are they going to respond to our stores? And I think that they all go where the dense population is. So, and I, I agree with that, but going one mile into Warren versus where they are is not going to make a difference for them. No, and, no, no, I don't even mean that specifically, oh, but I general. know there's a lot of businesses yeah. that... I mean, the buildings are, there's a beautiful building on Parkland Road. It used to be a doctor's office. I called the seller. He seems like he's really motivated. But at the end of the day, what do you put in there? What can I, what can I put in there like right now that would do, you know what I mean? So you got to have a plan to go. You have to have, that's my whole point. Warren's a great place to start a business. The real estate's, commercial real estate's really cheap right now, but you have to come with a plan and you have to come with a plan to how to, how to um, stay relevant. Because whether you're a church or a, a, a you know selling sheds, you still have to be relevant to stay in business for sure. So let's uh, we have about ten minutes. Okay, um, I could we can continue talking about that all day. I want to talk about your art. Okay, so you you sold we we didn't necessarily get off track, but I want to pick up from Miami. Talk about your art. What kind of art do you do? Um, you're on social media. You've sold to some large, um, well-known. I shouldn't say large, but well-known people. Mm-hmm. Talk about your art. Let me. You, you. You know. This is what you do. This is. You know. Yeah, that's what I do a lot of. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just. Uh, I'm converting all my art from analog to digital. I don't know if you've heard about the NFT. Uh, you know, the craze about NFTs and what's going on with it, but no. Basically, Can you touch base on that. So, so I'll just explain it like this. Let's say that there was ten. Babe Ruth rookie cards and they were a million dollars a piece and you spent that 10 million and you bought them and you put them on a table and you took a high res image of those 10 baseball cards. You would then upload that image onto a blockchain platform, which is like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, things like that peer to peer. You would upload that image to the blockchain platform where they auction that stuff off. And when someone buys that digital image, you destroy the analogs, and that's the only. And now it only exists in a digital world, not here anymore. I'm not doing that. No, and a lot, a lot of people <laughs> won't do that. I wouldn't do that. And that's only the analogy I yeah. use because yeah. it's the easiest way to explain it. But but basically, I'm converting my paintings into the digital world. And when someone buys those paintings in the digital world, they'll also um, potentially receive the original, the original copy. Yeah, because. The way it's going now, the canvas isn't the final product. The canvas is a tool to create the digital final product. I got you. Yeah, so it's viewed more as a tool than a painting now. I'm not digging it. I mean, I I understand what that is. I'm just not digging it, man. I want – I know the kids – I've I've been slow to convert to not buying CDs, but I'm still going to buy CDs. I'm going to go buy records. I want that hard copy. And for us to go to this mindset of, well, let's just make it all digital. It's warm and fuzz. Nope. I will have a library of music and you won't. Yeah. And when that subscription fails or whatever, you're going to have nothing. I mean, I don't know. It's I good guess for artists. Am I showing my age? No, the, the <laughs> platform's good for artists, though, yeah. because um, when you when you mint, it's called minting. So in, in our world now, you have a, a painting and then you have a print. In the digital world, you have an edition or a mint. So they mint copies of your artwork. So with that said, when you originally sign up, you're able to set your back-end percentage to what you want. So when someone buys my original digital image, when they resell that, because it's blockchain, when it sells, they just the money comes to me as the artist. I don't have to talk to the person, know them, interact with them, none of that. So you get your cut. It's a flawless system. Nice. 
Yeah, so it's really good for the artist in that regard, you know. So that that same painting gets sold a hundred times, and you're going to get a piece of that each sale every time it sells, which is unheard of. That's never happened no. to an artist before. No, no. So we're trying to normalize artists, living artists, getting paid. Because like like Van Gogh, I mean, it's almost sick that he didn't sell any art. He was basically committed to a mental hoard. And then after he died, all of his stuff became worth so much money that he could have lived like a king. I mean, that's that's pretty twisted, man. I don't want to go out like that. I'm trying to pay me now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what's kind of, where where can people find your art? Uh, you can go to my Instagram. That's probably the best place. It's uh, Masachi Art, and that's M-A-S-S-A-C-C-I-A-R-T. Um, Masachi Art is also my website. That's pretty much um, where you can go. You can check me out on some morning shows. Recently, I've been getting some traction with morning shows. Yes. For some reason, they've been interviewing me. It's been really cool. Next I, morning show you do, you got to wear my Defend Warren shirt. It's cost you, man. Bro. Well, how much? High dollar. Come on, West Side, brother. <laughs> I got you, man, West Side. <laughs> you know what we'll do? We'll make a shirt with the Masachi lo- the Defend Warren on the front, Masachi logo on the back. Yeah, right. Serious, if you want to. No, I'm I'm down with all that, man. No, always support the West Siders. I mean, I'll support anybody Warren, in Warren. Yeah, I just you know. East Siders, you're welcome. We're going to get some East Siders on here. Just just I, I say just so we're clear. I say East Side, West Side because I didn't play sports. Otherwise, I'd be like you know I'd be calling out my sports <laughs> yeah. team. That's all I got. It's yeah. all I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so it's it was so ingrained in us for it, sure that that's that's all we was East West man. Which I had I don't know if you if you haven't listened to any of them, but I had Coach Lurker on. And he told some great stories about coaching at reserve, man. It, I'm sure. Yeah, listen. But um, well, Ed's been with him. So I'm giving up our special. Hey, no, 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 tag nabbit. So what I was gonna do is, since Ed Ed did chime, hit, sorry people, chime in a little bit. I was gonna say, hey, man, who was that special guest? And you get a prize because he only said that one statement. It was gonna pick up. But since we already oh, gave up the name, we already gave up the name. But go ahead, Ed. Yeah, Ed Eggleston, Warren, Ohio, West Side. What year? <laughs> Coach Rico loved this one. Summer of 91. There we go. <laughs> Ed's one of my best friends ever. He, uh, he's he's partially, partially the reason I am the way I am. He's a great dude, man. Eggleston's, uh, they, uh, when you hear Eggleston, you hear Westside. Oh, yeah. The whole tribe is good people. Yeah. What street? Get up on the mic. 883 Oak Street. Oak Street. That's, That's true to the West game. Side, right That's there, deep bro. right there. <laughs> In it for sure. No, that, that's some old. That, yeah, I went to West Junior. So we went to school together, West Junior and then Reserve. Right. But uh, yeah. So yeah. So you're, you're on some morning shows. What else What else you got going? Um, they're, They've been shooting a documentary about my life for maybe the last like 12 Are you months. kidding me? No. I um, didn't know that. Yeah, Ed and all of them were in it. They interviewed like nice. yeah, a bunch of people here. And uh, we got to do some filming still in Florida before it comes out and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much what I got going on right now. Just and that. you're based here in Warren now, right? I am based in Warren right now. Um, I just completed – actually, I completed a portrait for E-40 for this old, the older crew that knows who that is. Um, he's a famous rapper from California in the Bay Area. Um, but it's pretty, pretty crazy to think I used to ride my bike to RBGs on Palmyra Road yes. to buy his cassettes, and now I'm going to be handing him a portrait that I made for him in about a month. That was a little bit of a ride, bro. Yeah. From that, your house? True to the game, buddy. Yeah. Well, back then, that's what Where you did. Where could you go? Either that or the mall. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I put a lot of miles on my bike, for sure. For sure. Right. Man, you, you've come a long way. You've accomplished quite a bit. Thank you. And I want to, you know, kids, listen, man. You can do it. Yeah, you, you just got to just listen to yourself. And the main thing that I can tell you, if you really want to be successful, you have to prepare to be a little lonely. Yeah. And I know it kind of sounds whatever, but you really do, man, because people won't really understand you. If you're really driven, you'll be unrelatable to most people. That's 100% true because you're going to put all your time and effort into what you're doing. And people aren't, well, why aren't you hanging out with us? I'm trying to build this. Yeah, I'm right. oversimplifying it, but that's what it comes down to. Be prepared for failure. Yeah. It may not work out the first go around. So what? Take that lesson and try again yeah. with something else. I mean, just don't quit, man. No. And it's, you know, I mean, I, you become a brand. Right. I'm a brand that, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, most everything we use is a last name. Masachi will be in the ranks. Heinz, Fisher Price, Gucci. I mean, they're, yeah. everything that we have is a last name almost. So everybody just marketed their last names. I'm just following the playbook. I wish I had a cool last name. Guys just, 
I'm fi- I've kind of figured a way to kind of leverage that last name, but you know, if you were in Boston, you would think everyone knew you. Hey, what's up, guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people sometimes they don't know me. Like, is that your first or last name? It's my last name. I have two. I have two first names for a name. But uh, well, I appreciate you coming on, man. And special guest, thank you for joining us. Ed, thanks for coming with me, bro. Always hey. appreciate it when you're riding. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Good time. So anyway, thank you for joining me. I'm glad you guys came, and uh, I hope this helps some anyone listening who's looking to start a business. If you're looking to locate to Warren. Whatever the case may be, this is a great town to raise a family. It's a great town to start a business, and you'll have a great community to support you. And if you're a kid not trying to figure things out, just do it. Just go for it. Don't you know? Leave all your cards on the table. Go ahead, Eddie. And please don't feel forced. That college is the only way. Right. Tell them, Ed. Tell them. Skill trades. Anything. 100%. You know, just. Put put the effort in, you'll get it out. Yeah, I mean, Ed's a union laborer. He has been how many years, Ed? Oh, Get closer to Mike. Like nineteen years. You want to know how? Nine thirty-five. I mean, which which nine thirty-five local labor's union? Okay, gotcha. Ed been true to the game forever. <laughs> He's been building this city. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it, and as always, defend Warren.